Hello and welcome to the second episode on bridging the left-right divide, where we'll talk about why society is breaking down. And I'll have some comments on the Black Lives Matter protests that have been happening over the past week or so here in the U.S. So specifically, I want to share a couple of things that are happening, or sorry, I want to share a couple of things that are helpful, uh, very helpful to me as far as how to think about this kind of emotionally charged political situation in a way that brings a sense of calm and resolution. So in order to get there, we're going to talk about why it's so much easier to get caught up in condemning thoughts and anxious thoughts that never seem to resolve. And the reason for that, which seems to be well, just a matter of why it is that society is breaking down, which in turn is illustrated by the story of Cain and Abel. Okay, so, the story of Cain and Abel, it's basically, or you can read it as, being about the cycle of human civilizations rising and falling. And it explains or it illustrates sort of how, as a society becomes larger, and more complicated, people become increasingly alienated from each other and lose touch with their spirituality. So the story of Adam and Eve, which comes right before Cain and Abel, implies a transition from a foraging way of life to farming way of life. And the story of Cain and Abel, similarly, implies a transition from a nomadic pastoral society to a settled urban society. Abel is a shepherd who sacrifices the firstborn of his flock to God. Cain is a farmer who sacrifices from his harvest. Now, farming is what makes cities possible. So it also says in Cain's story that he builds a city and his great-great-great-grandson is credited with furthering the advance of civilization by forging instruments of bronze and iron. So Cain stands for urbanization, and therefore, what we talked about last time, the increasing dominance of the left hemisphere of the brain, or this way of thinking that's based on abstractions, rules, generalizations, because As society gets bigger, as it gets more complex, people have to rely on abstractions much more. This happens because in a city, you don't know everyone personally. You have very little direct experience of what's going on in society at large. So you have to make generalizations, you have to think abstractly just to try to understand what is going on in the world, or, you know, in, in your city. And when conflicts arise, Instead of working things out through negotiation, you have to rely on government intervention or rule of law. So it's perhaps difficult for us to imagine now, but in pre-agricultural societies, conflict would more often be worked out through dialogue or through combat, but it would be some form of direct negotiation between the individuals involved rather than a person calling the authorities appealing to an authority to come in and um, punish the wrongdoer or something like that. 
Now, also people can accumulate more wealth in an urbanized society. You can accumulate more wealth just by staying in one place and also by using more effective technology. And in a larger, more complex society, there are opportunities for people to rise to positions of greater power, greater influence, which leads to increasingly hierarchical structures, and then greater pressure to justify those structures and those hierarchies, originally using religious mythology and nowadays using secular political narratives. So abstract ideas are increasingly used to justify rules and justify government policies. And this is all the domain of the left hemisphere of the brain. So those are possible explanations, at least, for why it is that as societies get bigger and more urbanized, then people rely more on the left hemisphere of the brain and therefore tend toward greater authoritarianism. And the kind of political hostility and anxiety that we feel today when we think about hot-button issues or controversial things that are happening in our society. So, going back to Cain and Abel, when the two brothers bring their offerings before God, only Abel's sheep sacrifice is accepted, and God has no regard for Cain's plant-based sacrifice. And that tends to strike people as being very unfair. But it makes sense if Cain is a stand-in for urbanization, whereas Abel symbolizes a simpler way of life that is more natural to human beings. And I know that this makes it sound like urbanization or increasing levels of, of civilization is evil or it's a pure catastrophe, because that's the way that the story paints it. And from an objective perspective, that's not really true. Of course, there are many, many benefits to civilization, but perhaps these narratives, or this narrative of Cain and Abel, describes accurately what the transition from one to the other way of being feels like subjectively. Because as the world becomes increasingly complex, even if there's less uh, disease, you know, better hygiene, and and so on, or even if there's less <clears throat> violence between warring tribes or whatever the advantages may be, less poverty. Even so, as the world becomes increasingly complex, the social structures that govern our lives are less natural, they are more abstract, they're increasingly difficult to understand, and people do feel alienated from each other, and spirituality becomes neglected. So there's a breakdown in social relationships. And this brings us to the cycle of the rise and fall of civilizations, which is symbolized in the story of Cain and Abel, and it goes like this. Cain's sacrifice, the fruit of the earth, symbolizes a revolutionary technological innovation, which was the farming of grains. And so the beginning of this cycle of the rise and fall of civilizations is humans becoming increasingly capable of manipulating the environment and increasingly manipulating their own society as well. So this, you could call it the rise of worldly ambition or left hemisphere dominance. And again, 
Uh, there tends to be a neglect of spirituality that goes along with that. Next, the new way of life crowds out the old way of life. And there's a breakdown in social relationships. So in the story, this is symbolized with Cain murdering his brother, Abel. And in history, it's traditional societies being colonized and having their land stolen by the more technologically advanced, um, or at least the more technologically reckless nations. Next, the reckless application of the new technology overburdens the land. So in the story, God confronts Cain about murdering his brother, and God says, the voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. The next thing that happens after the land has been overburdened and stops producing, leading to the collapse of civilization, well, it's God saying to Cain, you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Because in the midst of this kind of collapse, so many people become refugees from famine and war. Now, I haven't read the book Collapse by Jared Diamond, uh, but my understanding is that it is about this cycle of the rise and fall of civilizations. And I don't think I have to explain that we seem to be in the beginning stages of some major civilizational collapses right now. So the first thing that I want to say about what I find helpful in how to think about political crises, like what's been going on in the U.S. with first the just horrific killings of a number of black people at the hands of the police, and then the protests, and the rioting, and then the responses to all of that, it's naturally very upsetting. But I find it helpful to view the situation from an evolutionary perspective. To remember that this is all part of the process of our evolution as a species. And to remember that evolution is not a neat and orderly process, it's messy, it's chaotic. And so I stopped I try to stop, at least, judging the world according to my ideas and what I think ought to be happening, and instead just look to see what is happening. And from an evolutionary perspective, to me it seems that these Black Lives Matter protests reflect an increasing awareness of the fact that the United States was founded on a socioeconomic system of exploitation. Exploitation of people of color. And also exploitation of the land itself and exploitation of low-wage workers of any race and so on. And so with the whole system being predicated on exploitation, it's not sustainable and it does seem headed for collapse. And it makes sense that many people feel that the strategy of incremental change or gradual progress just isn't going to cut it. So <clears throat> here I want to point out then that the cycle of civilizations rising and falling as described in Genesis does not end with the punishment of Cain. Just as the story of Adam and Eve being expelled from the Garden of Eden actually does not end 
with a curse, it ends with God providing fur garments for the two humans in an act of mercy. And similarly, when God tells Cain that he is cursed to wander the earth, God puts a special mark on Cain so that Cain will not be himself killed in vengeance. People think of the mark of Cain as a mark of shame, but it really is a mark of mercy. And then the other hopeful detail is that after Abel has been killed, his grieving mother Eve is comforted by the birth of a third son, whom she names Seth. So the final phase of this cycle of the rise and fall of civilizations is that even in the midst of the devastation and the chaos that follows a civilization's collapse, God still provides. God still shows mercy. And even those who are grieving terrible losses may be comforted by what is newly emerging or being born into the world. In the context of what's happening in the U.S. right now, I'm not so much worried about trying to condemn the police or condemn the looters or condemn the people who approve of the looting or condemn the people who condemn the looting, which are <laughs> all things that I've seen people expending their energy on. Um, and it is natural to say those kinds of things, and I'm not opposed to people engaging in that debate or that discussion. Um, but personally, I feel the need to step away from the process of condemning and observe what new things seems to be emerging or being born here. And I see some definite hopeful signs, especially in stories about cities where the police have joined with the protesters in marching, and also just seeing money being raised for nonprofits and difficult conversations being initiated. It's not my responsibility to judge the world and try to fix it according to my ideals. It's my job to witness the world as it is and to listen for how God might be calling me to respond to the world's need. So the other thing I want to mention, as far as what helps to bring a sense of calm and resolution, is focusing on the question, what do I need to be doing? Because looking at one's own specific individual responsibilities is an antidote to obsessing over abstracted ideas and things that make us mad and anxious. And when I ask the question, what do I need to do? I start to realize that there are a lot of questions I don't have answers for, and there are a lot of factors that are unknown to me. And I realize that I'm going to have to trust my relationship with God and try to practice listening openly and humbly. And it is something that, for me, I feel takes time to discern. It's not like it's obvious and I can just say right away, oh, I need to do such and such, but I need to stay with the question, what do I need to do? So that's what I want to say for today. And we can take a few moments to center ourselves by taking some deep breaths. And 
we can remind ourselves that what really matters is what God is calling each one of us to do. And become open to hearing that calling. And hearing that calling in, in the world's need. Okay, so let's go ahead and sing. We're going to sing a song called, The Lord is Gracious and Compassionate.
Brandon. And now let's take a few moments in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for the compassion and the mercy that you have shown to us. And we thank you that despite the rise and fall of civilizations and empires, that we are still here, that we have still received from the giving of previous generations and the cultures that they have built and the things that have survived, even uh, all kinds of catastrophes, civilizational catastrophes. And we thank you that you always provide for us, that you're always merciful to us, even when society is breaking down and things are becoming increasingly chaotic. We pray that you would help us to trust in you and to hear your voice calling us to service in the midst of difficult times and social upheaval. Teach us what it is that we need to be doing and make each of us clear in our calling. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, until next time, God bless.